0: This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Hey everybody, it's Don LaGreca with a Friday edition of Game Misconduct. And I'll tell you what, it's it's really got to be strange to be a Ranger fan right now, just how you're feeling about this team going into the last five games of the season. And last night was kind of revealing in a bunch of different ways, but maybe the biggest way was, all right, we know the Rangers have a bright future. We know they're set on the blue line with Fox and Lindgren and Miller, and you know they're set with Panarin and Zabanajad and Kreider, and Krafsov looks like he's going to be a good player. Kako going into his third year next year. Lafonnier looks like a player. I mean, they really look to be set, especially with Igor Shostorkin between the pipes. But now, that's all well and good. But now it's time to find out if this team can win a big game. And sub- question can they figure out how to win when things aren't going to their style and the way their game is played and that's the problem in the last two meetings with the Islanders. in the 6-1 loss and the 4-0 loss last night they don't have room they don't score and they've got to do a better job of creating and it's so easy to say well hey Don it's the youngest team in the NHL Hey, listen, Panarin and Zibanejad are a major part of what they do offensively, and they were completely stifled. And you can only give the compliment to the Islanders so far because, hey, you know what you're getting into when you're playing the Islanders. You know what you're getting into when you play a Barry Trotz, Lou Lamarillo team. There's not going to be a lot of space. There's not going to be a lot of room to create. You've got to figure it out. And in the last 60 minutes, uh, 120 minutes of hockey against the Islanders, they've scored one goal. And also, what's got to be a little disconcerting and well, is that you're not creating but yet you're still allowing a team that really struggled to score goals to score four times. All right, Now you could say, alright, the Barzell goal was an empty netter, but still. This is a team that going into last night had scored 11 goals in seven games. And now would they add the four, All right, it's 19 goals in the last eight games and 10 of those goals have been scored against the New York Rangers. So these are things that David Quinn, and again, I'm a fan and I'm a defender, they're going to have to figure this out, all right? Because it's not good to when you're taken out of your game to be done, right? Now the Rangers score the first goal. Things open up a little bit more. and Now they're playing their game and they can win. We've seen that, and we've seen it against the Islanders. and not that long ago that the Rangers got three of a possible four points out in Fort Never lose earlier in the month, right? So – We know it can happen, but what if you give up the first goal? What if you give up the second goal? Does that mean it's over? You know, so there's got to be that fight in this team, and they've got to figure out other ways to score. And I know Jad, and Panarin work in space, and I know that Kreider was out of the game last night, but they're going to have to find other guys to be able to pick up the slack. So that's what's a little disconcerting. They're on life support. Their season's pretty much over. But there's five games in which to try to learn this lesson. The game's Saturday against the Islanders. I'll be on the call with Dave, and that game's going to be at the Coliseum, and then two against Washington, and then they close out the two against Boston. And we'll see if those games have any meaning for the Rangers, but they could have meaning for the teams that they're playing, and, and just kind of figure this out. Because what you don't want to have happen, and this is what is eerily similar to last year, When they went into the pandemic, they were one of the hottest teams in the NHL, winning on the road, beating everybody, and then they came out of the uh, pandemic, or at least into the bubble, and couldn't do anything against Carolina. It was almost as if they were figured out. And now the kind of same thing is happening here, and that's where I think the coaching staff is going to have to get a little bit more creative in trying to figure out ways to be able to score when there is no room to score find a way to grind out games. Their record has been poor in one goal games. These are all the things they need to figure out if they're going to take the next step. Because i got to tell you, going into next year, it's not going to be enough to say, hey, we're the youngest team in the NHL. Hey, we're still rebuilding. Next year, the expectation, and rightly so, is going to be getting into the playoffs. And then once you get into the playoffs in this league, you're expected to contend. And the other aspect of this is, I'm not going to kill David Quinn for starting Shosturkin. I understand it. Shosturkin's your number one goaltender. And you don't want to have your number one goaltender have to be compromised because he can't beat the Islanders, your number one rival. But And they got shut out, so it probably doesn't matter anyway. But I look back to the Devils in the mid-'90s, and people forget this because you, all you do is think about Brodeur. When Brodeur was a rookie, he was on the Devils in 94 when they made that run to the conference finals losing in 7 games to the Rangers. In the second round of that um season for the Rangers, they had, for the Devils, they had beaten Buffalo in the first round in 7 games. Then they played Boston. And Brodeur was really good. He was really good against Buffalo, stared Hashik in the face in 1 in 7 games. And he obviously was the franchise goaltender and Chris Terreri was the backup and he was kind of the past and very soon after that, he'd be dealt away to San Jose. But because he never lost at the Garden when he played for Providence, right? He never lost in Boston. So when the Devils played in Boston, Terreri started. Because the feeling was by Lemare and – um by Lamarillo is, is that, hey, forget about the maturation of the kid. We feel like we got a chance to win a Stanley Cup here. We think Terraria gives us a better chance to win in Boston, and it did. And then, you know what, Brodeur played the games of the Meadowlands, and then when they won, he played all the games against the Rangers, and the rest is history. So would it have been that awful to just say, hey, Igor, you're our guy, but right now we've got a goaltender that is and 7-2 with a 1.70 goal against average against the Islanders, and we need to win this game. We're going to start him because you haven't beaten the Islanders yet. Would it have been that awful? I don't know. It's 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 something to obviously consider. But, again, it's probably a moot point they got shut out. I don't know if if, if Georgiev would have stood on his head and and they would have been able to get to, the, uh, to overtime in the shootout because he just wouldn't have allowed a goal. Although I do like 1.70 goals against average. But, still, they probably lose the game anyway. But just kind of food for thought, something the Rangers have to do. And good on the Islanders. They kind of broke out a little bit. Um, good major, may feel what a couple of goal, a couple of assists. Nelson had a couple of assists. So, um, the Islanders getting closer and closer to clinching a playoff spot. Now, speaking of clinching a playoff spot, the Penguins and the Capitals were able to do it in the same game because the Rangers were not going to earn a point. So the first teams to 69 would clinch and the Penguins and the Capitals Penguins win five, four, but the Capitals clinched their playoff berth. When Wilson scored with 15 seconds to go to force overtime then the Capitals were in, and then when the Penguins won the game in overtime on the Gensel goal, they're in. So Pittsburgh's in first place, Washington's in second place, but they both clinch playoff spots. Lightning, 3-0 win over the Stars. A couple of things here. Number one, just 20 shots on goal, so Tampa's starting to warm up a little bit, and you give Vasilevsky that kind of limited opportunities to see shots. He's going to pitch the shutout. That's exactly what he did. Stars starting to squander a little bit here. Their games in hand, but this is what happens. The stars are not on the level of Carolina and Tampa, and it showed over the last couple of games. Florida as well, it has definitely showed for Dallas. New Jersey wins two in a row as they beat the Flyers five to three. A lot of situations going on there at Philadelphia. I can't predict what's going to happen with the coaching staff. I told you on this podcast that there's rumors swirling that it's kind of a country club there and all that, but and we have talked about it with EJ back on Monday. Uh, there's issues there, uh, clearly. And obviously Carter Hart is out for the rest of the season, but that's not the reason why this team is missing the playoffs. They're going to have to try to figure that out. This team's too good to miss, and this is not a situation where, oh, they barely missed. I mean, they're going to get buried, right? And, and they're they're losing games to New Jersey here, uh, and that's just not going to fly. Uh, Boston, a 5-2 to two win over the Sabres. They'll play the Sabres again on Saturday, and I need to promote this because this is a big deal. Uh, Saturday's game between the Bruins and the Sabres is going to be on the NHL Network, and our guy E.J. Raddick is going to be on the call. So he's doing some play-by-play on television for the NHL Network, so congratulations to him. He's done it before on the college level, but that's a good game. Bruins and the Sabres coming up on Saturday at 1 p.m., so make sure you check it out on the NHL Network. I don't know if that's going to be blacked out in Boston or Buffalo. I I can't tell you. Probably will be. But for the rest of the nation, especially people here that are stationed in New York, that know EJ's work from NHL Now, from NHL Live, and from ESPN, the magazine, and Beckett, and all the things that he's done in his life, scouting for the Dallas Stars, very happy for him. He's getting a chance to call that game. So good on him. So Boston gets the 5-3 win. Marchand just continues to impress. Pasternak warming up as well. So um, Boston looks like they got things together. 40 shots on goal. And I know you got to like take things with a grain of salt because it's against Buffalo, but Buffalo has come to play in a lot of these games as well. So give them credit. Tuka Rask between the pipes is he's alternating with the other goaltenders, getting himself ready for the postseason, and he gets the win. Hurricanes with a 3-1 win over Detroit, holds the Red Wings to just 17 shots on goal. Usual suspects for the Hurricanes scoring some goals, um, but uh, they are getting some things together, and we know how good – they are. Brady Shea gets his third of the year. Aho Taravainen with multiple points as well. Good job by the Blues wing and overtime by the final score of 5-4 to four in a wide open game uh, in which it's Ryan O'Reilly who is the overtime man gets the goal his 22nd of the year so right now the St. Louis Blues, they're going to be a playoff team. I don't think there's any question about it right now. They have overtaken uh, that four spot over Arizona. They've got 52 points now. Now a five-point lead on Arizona with two games in hand. Arizona's played poorly, two losses in a row, just eight, um, eight losses in their last ten for Arizona. Um, San Jose's won a couple in a row. They'll probably pass Arizona at some point, too, but I just don't think enough to be able to catch St. Louis. So Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota have all clinched playoff berths, and I think St. Louis is on their way uh, to making the playoffs. Leafs beat the Canucks 4-1. to You can see Vancouver's kind of running out of steam here. They had those quick two wins coming out of the pandemic and now just can't generate anything, just 16 shots on goal. Matthews gets uh, his 36th of the season. Uh, in the victory, Marner picks up his 18th. And, and a, a huge win for the Flames, 1-1 one, one tie after 1, and they get the next two goals as Lynn Halton uh, gets the job done with a couple of goals for Calgary. Uh, the story in this one, they hold McDavid off the scoreboard as the only goal by Edmonton was a James Neal goal, and that would not be enough, obviously, for Edmonton. That was uh, midway through the first period uh, from Russell and Archibald, so no points for Connor McDavid. So good job by the Flames, not only getting the the, the two points they desperately needed, but holding a red-hot Connor McDavid off the board. So Calgary right now, they still sit four points back of Montreal. Montreal still has the game in hand, but again, Montreal's had problems, only four wins in their last ten. They've got no Gallagher. They've got no Price, and now um, Jonathan Druin has taken a leave of absence for Montreal so Calgary still has a chance here, still could find a way to win it. they got another game with Edmonton coming up Saturday. That'll be the second game of the doubleheader on Hockey Night in Canada. All right, let's take a moment to congratulate Ryan Miller on a tremendous NHL career. Announced his retirement at the age of 40 years old, and it's not been a great last few years for him, uh, not being on great teams in, in Vancouver and and, Ed, and Anaheim but we kind of forget just how important his role was for a Buffalo Sabre team that coming out of the lockout probably was poised to win the Stanley Cup. We've talked about this before, that 0 team conference final against Carolina. They were down to like three healthy defensemen. Campbell's puck over the glass led to a five-on-three goal for Carolina. Carolina goes to the Stanley Cup final, beats Edmonton in seven. That really felt like it could have very easily had been Buffalo's championship, and boy, would Ryan Miller look a lot different had he been able to win a Stanley Cup. But just a tremendous NHL career, 18 years uh, in the league, won a Vesna Trophy with the Buffalo Sabres in uh, 2009-2010, just a great guy, a fun guy, a nice guy, one of, if not the greatest, American-born goaltenders of all time, played tremendous as well uh, internationally, Um, So let's acknowledge what was a just tremendous career for him. Also spent time in St. Louis, Vancouver, and as I mentioned, retiring as a member of the Anaheim Ducks. So congratulations on a tremendous career for Ryan Miller. Uh, The most wins of any U.S.-born goaltender at 390, uh, and that's uh, in 770 starts, 794 appearances, uh, 2.64 goals against average, 914 uh, save percentage, just an incredible Incredible career and what he, again, was able to do uh, internationally. He was taken in the fifth round in 1999 for the Sabres, and what a great, great career. Hard to say he's the greatest goaltender in Buffalo history. you got Dominic Hasek, but, you know, just a, a really good job. And uh, there's been a lot of really good American-born goaltenders for sure. Tom Barrasso obviously hops to mind. Mike Richter, but uh, Ryan Miller certainly right up there. And as far as career wins are concerned, the most for any American born goaltender. Well, you know what? It's Friday, and you know what Friday means. It's on Friday Top 5. We only got two more of these. We got this one, and next Friday to close out the regular season, and we always start from the bottom. Number 5. Boy, I can go a lot of different directions here. You you look at. What uh, Colorado has done recently, but they've lost three in a row. You can look what Pittsburgh has done recently, but they got kind of figured out the other night. I'm going to go with Washington uh, for a couple of reasons here. First of all, Washington is 7-2-1 in their last 10. They've also been able to win games without Alexander Ovechkin. He's missed the last three games because of a lower body injury, and they have not missed a beat I think the Washington Capitals, they're going to have to make a decision on who's going to be in goal, too, because both goaltenders have played well. I've got Washington at 5. Number 4. A lot of different directions here, but those Florida Panthers just continue to impress. 7-2-1 in their last 10, plus 26 goal differential. They've been very good at home at 17-5-3. Certainly the deal with Calgary has worked. Bennett has been a tremendous contributor to that team Barkoff has been very good as well he's probably pound for pound their best player playing well had a couple of goals the other night I've got Florida at four number three you know Tampa is a team that I've kind of been down on recently but boy you know what's so interesting about them? Maybe they kind of go through the motions and all that, but now they're starting to sniff it, right? Now, now they're starting to get into it deep down the stretch here. They've won four games in a row, 7-3-0 and in their last 10. Again, their plus goal differential is third best at plus 41. Remember, they're getting Kucherov for the postseason, but Vasilevsky's been good for them. Point's been good for them. Coleman's been good for them. Boy, they are just so deep and so scary. I got Tampa at three. Number two. Carolina, maybe the best team in the NHL. Certainly the standings say so. 6-1-3 and three in their last 10. If it's not O'Ajo, it's Taravainen. If it's not Taravainen, it's Fogel. If it's not Fogel, it's going to be Nake- Nake- Natchez. If it's not Natchez, it- it's amazing just what they've been able to do. Their goaltending has been tremendous as well. Uh, they are just a terrific, terrific hockey team that is going to end up winning what many might ar- argue now could turn out to be the best division in hockey and not the East. I've got Carolina at two. Number one. Yeah, yeah and this is a no-brainer, too. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have now won 10 in a row, and I know they're doing it a lot against some of the bottom feeders, but not when they took on Colorado and they kind of showed who was boss there. They got tested a little bit, right? All right, let's see if Colorado can make a run here. And Vegas said, ha I don't think so. You know, we're going to win this division, and now the bulge, is a nice, healthy six games, even though Colorado does have a game in hand, plus 60 goal differentials, best in the NHL. They can beat you at home at 9-4-2. They can beat you on the road at 16-7-0. They are just an incredible team in Vegas to me. Right now is number one for the week. All right, let's go to your tweets. At Donald LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Everybody wants to contribute with their top five. Yankees and Penn says he's got Florida at five, Tampa at four, Carolina at three, Colorado at two, Vegas one. I had Colorado drop out of the top five because of the three straight losses, and he does not have Washington in the top five, but we were kind of close. Uh, let's say David's got Vegas 1, Colorado 2, Carolina 3, Tampa 4, Minnesota 5. Minnesota certainly can begin the conversation. Uh, Troy says he's got Edmonton 5, Florida 4, Toronto 3, Washington 2, Vegas 1. Very interesting there. Troy also says, I agree with your take on NBC's handling of the NHL. Uh, they gave unprecedented, uh, unprecedented Olympic level of coverage for the Stanley Cup playoffs in the U.S. for a number of reasons, so... Good job by Troy to contribute. Uh, Eli has Pittsburgh 5, Boston 4, Colorado 3, Carolina 2, and Vegas 1. Looks like everybody agrees with Vegas, but actually Boston in the top five, I don't agree with, but hey, listen, we can have a lot of fun with that. All right, Richard asks, it's been said repeatedly this season that the East is the best NHL division. How so? There hasn't been intra-division play, so no bias to compare – no basis to compare teams across divisions. Top five in East feed off of Sabres, Devils, Flyers. Best label is based on prior seasons. Well, every, every division's got bottom feeders. And I will say that the Central Division has really impressed me as of late. Right? Carolina, Florida, Tampa, arguably the best teams in the NHL. But you look at Nashville at four, there's that big drop-off. Tampa with 70 points, Nashville with 56, right? Dallas on the outside. Chicago's been an upstart team, but only 50 points. You know, Detroit and Columbus, maybe not as bad as New Jersey, maybe not as bad as Buffalo, but, you know, kind of close, Right. You look at New Jersey, who's been one of the worst teams in the league with 39 points. Columbus has 42. So I know Columbus going in, you know, they've been a perennial playoff team. But when you end up looking at the end of the day, they have been, you know, a a real bottom feeder. I mean, right now, I think Ottawa has been better than Columbus and Buffalo has certainly played better than Columbus recently. Buffalo right now has got 33 points. They're one of the worst teams in the league, but they've been tough to play. Um, so the Central's got its issues. You look at uh, the West, very top heavy with Vegas, Colorado, and Minnesota. You know, but Anaheim's got 37 points. The Kings, 42 points. They're every bit as bad as uh, Buffalo and New Jersey. Um, the North Division. You know, Vancouver's had their issues, but you know, Ottawa, 42 points. You can make the case the North is the best division. But the reason I had the East, and, and we can argue, is that yes, you know, Philadelphia has been bad, but they still have 51 points, which actually would have them in the playoffs in the North, all right? They'd be a point out of the playoffs in the West, all right? They'd be – and five points out of the playoffs in the Central. So Philadelphia, I'm not going to put in the same category as New Jersey and Buffalo. But, you know, the Rangers, 58 points would be good enough to be in the playoffs in any other division, and they're going to miss – uh Boston, uh, the Islanders, Pittsburgh, and Washington, I don't think anybody would bat an eye if any of those teams are representing the East in the Stanley Cup Finals. So, uh, no, I'm going to stand by the East still being the best. I don't think it's really being biased. But if anybody's going to really crow, it would probably be uh, the, the Central Division because I do think the Central Division's been good. But uh, we can argue that till the cows come home. But still, I really get the feeling that at the end of the day, we'll look at that East as being a very – very, very good division. All right, only four games on the docket tonight. Jets and the Canadians from Montreal. Montreal trying to hold off Calgary. Uh, Colorado, can they get right? They're home against the San Jose Sharks for a 9 o'clock start. Coyotes desperate, taking out of all teams Vegas. Vegas poised to win 11 in a row. And then the Kings and the Ducks rounding out uh, our schedule of games coming up uh, on Friday. And then Saturday will be uh, a lot of really good games on Saturday. Uh, with the Rangers and the Islanders, uh, keeping an eye on what's happening with uh, the Bruins and the Sabres, battle for first place between the Penguins and the Capitals, so it should be a pretty fun weekend. And then just the one game on Sunday with the Lightning at the Detroit Red Wings. I'm not sure what their love affair is with Detroit. I know they got a big fan base, but they're kind of playing out the strength way too many times that the Lightning and the Red Wings have been on national television, but what are you going to do? It's the only game on the schedule, and if NBC wants to televise it, well, then that's the only choice that they really have. I'll be on the call tomorrow for Rangers and Islanders as the Rangers are on life support, must win situation. Let's face it. They're going to have to run the table here, which is going to be tough against some of the best teams in the NHL and then hope. And that's never a good thing, but Hey, they'll take the ice on Saturday with still a pulse, although it will be a very mild one back with you again on Monday. We'll talk to EJ Raddick and get you set up for the last week of the regular season. Still some playoff spots up for grabs. First place president's trophy is still very much up for grabs And then before you know it, we are going to hit the playoffs. And I don't even know what the heck that's going to look like. That should be a lot of fun. You want to get in touch with me during the course of the weekend at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. This was fun. We'll talk to you again on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct Podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York worldwide on the ESPN app and don't forget to subscribe to the game misconduct podcast on the ESPN app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts